0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode three of what used to be called the Jim Crocker podcast. I was never comfortable with that name. It's uh, how, how boring is that just way too, uh, self-serving so been renamed, uh, uh, to business and, uh, read down the cover art to make it, uh, both a little more interesting. Uh, I'm learning here, uh, make the cover art more interesting and also help it stand out, uh, better in the different, uh, podcasting apps where people can, uh, can download and listen to the podcast. So, uh, doing some experimenting there. So a uh, new name, new cover art today's uh, podcast, uh, going to take a look at the transition from, uh, what it's like to go from an iPhone to a Samsung. Um, uh, some of you may be thinking about that, uh, or going through it. I just did, and uh, share that experience. Um, why the hell would you say that? Another episode uh, where I go and uh, take a look at uh, one of my core answers and try to figure out what the context was and why I'm saying what I'm saying. And then finally, just uh, on both sides, I find the current, it's really, really unfortunate, but the 737 max uh, problem that's occurring um, is really, really serious. And, and uh, I think there's there's, when you look at it and stand back, there's two sides to whether uh, the aircraft should be grounded or not. And I try to take a look at it from a business perspective on that. So uh, let's get into it. First thing I want to talk about today is what it's been like to go from an iPhone uh, to a Samsung. I did it about uh, two months ago. Uh, Still going through it. Uh, in terms of the transition and quite honestly it just hasn't been as easy uh as I would have imagined it's been uh, it's actually been quite a bit of work why did i switch um i was uh, i was ready my phone plan was up i was using a uh, uh a 6s switch, which which i quite liked but like every iphone apparently um, you know, no more battery. I was having to keep it constantly recharged and ultimately just got really, really tired. Um, took it to a retail store. In fact, the store I went to gave me a, uh, uh really good trade in, uh, value for my, for my iPhone and I applied that, uh, against the Samsung. I wanted to try something new. Um, I wanted to see what was going on. I'd done the iPhone thing for a while. Um, why is the transition been tough? Transition's been, it, it, you know, a whole bunch of things, uh, some stuff I didn't anticipate when uh, the data was transferred over, I was surprised that some of the information in the address book didn't come over with it. So I had some notes in that. I don't know why the notes didn't get transferred over, but they didn't. And, and, uh, um, that was, that was kind of awkward. There was some information there that I, you know, <laughs> would like to have, um, you know, other other challenges. A lot of the apps um, didn't transfer over, which makes sense, right? They're going from the from iOS over to uh, Android, so uh, I didn't realize I was going to have to reload. You know, um, more than half of of my apps. And logically, it made sense once I thought about it. It's like, no, you're not going from iPhone to iPhone. It makes sense to have to do that. So that that took me some time. Um, there was some intuitive stuff that that even to to. Today I still get uh, confused on it, and it's, you're just gonna think I'm an idiot. But uh, at times, even answering the phone, there's uh, the Android has a you know a lock fo- a lock screen and a home screen, and and, and then it has the app screens. And it's still at times if uh, I can get hung up on the uh, on the lock screen, uh, trying to trying to answer the phone, when it just won't work. So it's uh, that's that's a little awkward. I at times I go to uh, if I'm if I'm on a call and flip to another app and then go back to the phone. I find myself with, uh, you know, I can see where the phone is, but geez, I just can't get to it to hang up. And I, I've forgotten what the button command is. So there's, you know, things like that where you're literally left stuck trying to figure out how to hang up on a call, hang up from a call. So yeah, elements like that are, are, have been tricky. I, I probably sound like I'm whining and complaining. I, I, I wouldn't go back. I I've enjoyed the transition. I think it's, I think it is a really, really good phone. It's got tons of capability. Um, I love the battery life. Um, you know, when I bought it, they told me it would last three days and, and I've actually gone through this, um, without charging it mostly, mostly end up going to, but it's just so nice to have a, to have a battery that lasts, uh, really neat stuff that, that, I mean, just sounds so simple and why would you love a phone for this, but you know, it's got a device maintenance, um, app that uh you know, I remember on the iPhone, I, you know, I didn't have a ton of, uh, ton of storage on my iPhone. So I'd have, I'd constantly be looking for work and I get some more space and it, it, there was always this thing called other, right. And other was always the largest chunk and trying to figure out how you couldn't do it, right. You had to just sort of try stuff and see, and it would free up the occasional bit of, uh, the occasional bit of storage, but, uh, you know, on, on, on the Android, you just go there and it shows you, it looks at your, it looks at storage, it looks at battery, it looks at all those, you know, what apps are running, where's some hidden cache, things like that, and you can go around and just clean up the phone so it, uh, so you've got the most space possible you're you know you're saving battery um something as simple as that is is really really cool so I so I you know I do love it um you know overall uh I wouldn't go back I would say though for someone who wants to make a quick transition and isn't prepared to invest in the transition from an iPhone to a uh, to a Samsung don't do it uh don't do it it's not worth it but if you're looking for something new, certainly, you know, as, as grandma gets really good with her iPhone, lots of people are drifting away to, to other, uh, you know, to other technologies. Um, so if you're thinking you do it, just be prepared to, uh, to invest a bit of time uh, to make it happen. Hope that helps. So it's time for another exciting episode of Why the Hell you, Would You Say That? In, in Why the hell would you say that? go back and look at uh, some previous answers I've uh, provided on Quora. Uh, as I mentioned in a previous episode, I, I spend like 10 minutes a month answering questions on Quora because it's, it's interesting and there are some interesting questions and, and you know, sometimes I'm shocked um, what my answers are. Um, today's question is uh, from a couple of weeks ago. What are some successful steps to starting your own business? this was my answer. There's a show on Netflix called The Great Escapers. It's about expats who start businesses in neat locations. The lesson I saw from watching a couple of episodes, at least have a clue wherever you will come from and what the cost will be. Starting a business because it seems cool, but no chance of survival is a pain, even when the location is awesome. So obviously here I'm referring back to, you know, Something as fundamental as as having a business plan. Uh, really interesting watching um, watching this uh, this series. The number of people who I assume attracted by just incredible locations started businesses, and once they got them up and running and had invested, in some cases everything um, quickly started to dawn on them that the the business didn't have a chance uh, of succeeding uh in one case it was a young couple who inherited a a beautiful home but unfinished from one of their parents in France and decided to turn it into a guest house and as a couple i mean just incredible they they you know uh, they finished it. They did all the exterior work, interior work construction. They built their own swimming pool out of concrete and wooden deck, and just absolutely spectacular with a with the goal of turning it into a, a high end guest house, which they did. What they missed until they were open was that the guest house season where you need a pool in France is like three months. And, uh, the question rapidly started to dawn on them. What were they going to do for the other nine months? And, you know, the other 14 episodes were, were them, you know, scrambling into other businesses, you know, um, uh, guided cycling tours and running tours and high-end meals, uh, all incredibly, incredibly expensive, all uh, taking a ton of their time and energy because they can't afford to hire anybody. And, and... These were clearly right accomplished people. How it hadn't dawned on them that they should be uh, planning ahead and thinking about these things before they just got wrapped up in investing everything they had, you know, in, into their dream um, was just kind of, kind of remarkable. Um, and, and there were probably five or six, I didn't watch all the uh, you know, entire season, but there were probably five or six other episodes that I watched, all of exactly the same thing. One fellow was into paragliding. Uh, a couple of fellows who were into, a couple of real uh, realtors who were into winemaking. Literally, winemaking in France literally knew nothing about it. Like, nothing about it but had the bucks to buy, uh, you know, some some wine that had already been made on a, uh, you know, on a on a winery that was out of business, and they went and then they went ahead from there. They may have made it, I don't know. I didn't watch everything, but boy, certainly the effort they were going through to uh, to get going without any kind of a clue, apparently, of what it was going to cost them, and the effort required uh, was incredible. So um, I know this happens in reality. I have a friend who who lives in a Southern Caribbean country over the winter, has consulted to uh, someone who is now a friend of his but is an expat from Britain or wherever who started a juice business with exactly the same problem. Um, really attracted by the ability to make some really cool fruits, but without, but without invested in machinery and distribution and everything else, without thinking about, you know, in fact what the size of the market is, what pricing he could uh, he could charge, you know, and has been in constant, you know, shut down and open and you know sustainability issues from from the get go. So it it actually happens in reality. Um, so really really simple lesson for a start of, but I've done it myself. It's it's one thing to get attracted to a, what I, an idea that seems cool, but reality sets in when you sort of put the, uh, the coolness aside and really look hard at what's the revenue going to be and what's going to cost to get there and uh, that would be my, uh, that'd be my thought for a really really simple lesson uh, for a success of a startup business So as I wrap up uh, today's ep- episode, just a quick comment on airplanes. Um, I like planes. I've been I've been following follow them since I'm a kid. So I have, have a bunch of interest. So I'm I'm intrigued uh, about the current situation uh, with the 737 Max 8. I mentioned in a previous episode. Uh, in fact, last episode uh, the Ethiopian Airlines uh, incident had just happened. Uh, you know what's going on now. I see that. Um, Started in Britain, and now all of Europe has uh, has closed their airspace to 737 Max Eight. Um, probably more than half of the Max Eight air, or airlines that fly Max Eight, probably more than half the fleets, have been uh, have been shut down. They've been grounded. Um, but you have a number of North American airlines, including uh, American and United and Air Canada and WestJet, who uh, are continuing to uh, to fly their Max Eight. Um, I my, my, my gut reaction, my, you know, how, how do I feel it would, it would be to, Hey, I, I really hard to understand anybody thinking that they should continue to fly the max eight. They, they they should all be grounded. Having said that from a business perspective, when I see the number of aircraft and likely the number of routes that are flown by these carriers, I can understand the hesitation or the difficulty they're having in trying to figure out what to do. Um, if they, I assume if they just shut down these aircraft, if they just ground them, they end up closing a bunch of routes and in fact would uh, potentially leave a lot of customers um, at least frustrated and, and from there even, even more than that. It could cost serious issues for, for a bunch of customers. So I, 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 wanna, I don't want to give them a break, but I it, I don't think it's just about bucks. I think when you have a bunch of your capacity devoted to an aircraft like this, it, it's actually a little more complicated than just saying, we're just going to take it out of, uh, we're just going to take that aircraft out of service. So I, I, I feel a bit for the airlines. I truly think there's they're, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You know, having said that, I absolutely get a reaction and it's the reaction I would have, which is, hey. Um, it's time to get these aircraft grounded until we find out what's going on. In fact, the Canadian transport minister last night made the comment that from his perspective, these aircraft are completely safe. He would get on one tomorrow and everybody else should be doing that. I think a comment like that is completely irresponsible uh, until there's a really clear conclusion of what, in fact, is helping these aircraft follow the sky, which isn't normal. Um, so, But I thought, you know, just a bit of a perspective, I, from an airline perspective, uh, where you have a lot of aircraft and, and United America and Air Canada have, have big chunks of their fleet devoted to them, 737 MAX. I can certainly understand them having to think real hard about it, um, even if I wouldn't want to let them off the hook for not grounding their fleet. That's all I've got for today. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Talk to you soon.